press uh, that the American government has created weather tampering techniques so that the new world order will be able to starve millions of Americans and to control the rest. Would you explain what you were trying to say? Well, it, it, what I was trying to say is exactly what I said. There is weather control techniques. We have a complete package on that, which I did not bring, but I certainly will see to it that it is brought in for the record. Number one, the entire patents on the equipment. Number two, Senator Claiborne Pell's complete statement and story of his own that not only does it exist, but that we even utilize it as far back as the Vietnam War. You might want to touch base That's with right, Senator but I, Pell. I, I just want to repeat before so, I turn to So yes, yeah, so, but we do have all that information. You're saying the government has created weather tampering techniques so that the, quote, new world order will be able to starve millions of Americans. Worldwide. Millions of Americans and to control the rest. Yes, sir, and that's my belief. As bizarre as that sounds, when if somebody had told me that that equipment even existed 10 years ago, I would have thought they were nuts, sir. And at this point in time, we have all the documents to prove it. And if you think that 85 tornadoes takes place in the middle of our growing area by simultaneous accident, I'm, I'm sorry. With the equipment that's already set up internationally, and as bizarre as that is, it is proven and documented. We will supply you with those documents. As bizarre as that is, I would say that weather wars, and this is uh, quoting actually Senator Claiborne Pell himself, that they are the greatest weapon ever created in the world, and that's the senator's own statement. So yes, I have to do stand on that. Thank you, Mr. Fletcher. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This country started a war. The enemy, illegal drugs, and the war is still going on. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. The Zika virus, now more than 30 cases detected here in the U.S. Flint, Michigan, and how its drinking water ended up contaminated with toxic amounts of lead. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. What's up, everybody? My name is Tanner, and welcome to 1980 Now, a podcast for truth seekers and free thinkers. I hope you've all had a fantastic week, and as always, thank you for being here with me. Of course, I have to say that if you enjoy this podcast, and if it brings value to your life, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And feel free to follow me on Instagram at 1980NowPodcast to see interesting pictures, clips, and life updates about the show. Another way that you can support me is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews help the show out, y'all. And if you really, really like the show, consider becoming a Patreon supporter, which will give you full access to all episodes, along with other cool perks. Alright, let's get into the show. So, the insane weather that we had in Texas last week got me thinking a lot about weather modification, chemtrails, weaponized weather, things like that, because it was always a subject that I had known about, I had knowledge of, but had never been very interesting to me until now, you know, that it has actually affected me. And when you really break it down, that hell week, that icy apocalypse week that we just had in Texas was really actually more of an inconvenience. 
um, when you compare it to something like Hurricane Katrina, for example. And there's been plenty of speculation about weather manipulation in regards to that disaster. You know, a lot of people called it a culling of some of the poorest communities in America. But I think that the reason that I never found it particularly interesting or compelling, you know, the subject of weather modification, is because it always just seemed maybe a little bit inconceivable, a little bit too tinfoil hatty. It's like, how could the government actually have technology that could be used to alter or modify the weather. I mean, any rational person is going to find that notion to be insane at first glance, right? But then again, so many of the ideas that I now accept were ideas that I once thought were insane. And, you know, after coming into the flat earth truth, for example, and actually understanding how far the controllers will go in order to manipulate the public, you really can't rule anything out anymore. Other than the things that are, you know, contradictory to reality, of course, for example, aliens, planets, um, astronauts floating in space, anything that can't exist in true reality because it would be contrary to what's physically possible. But... Having to work so hard to keep our household warm last week and constantly checking on friends and family to make sure that they're warm and safe and hearing about people actually freezing to death in my own community really changed my perception of this idea of weather modification. And suddenly it has become very interesting to me. Not to mention, the snow was freaking weird. I have experienced snow plenty of times in my life, not just in Texas, but also in Colorado and Utah, New Mexico, different places that I've traveled. But this snow was not like anything that I have ever witnessed before. I can't really explain what it felt like. It was like it had a different texture, kind of. It had a different feel. Um... It felt wet and dry at the same time, and it was powdery, and it took a long time to melt. Almost, It almost felt artificial, and I know that some of my northern listeners are probably thinking, oh, this, you know, you've just never experienced real snow, but I'm telling you that, that I have. Um, and, you know, I know how I sound. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I just, um, you know, my uh, my conspiratorial brain gears are just overworking and trying to make sense of what a crazy week it was and and make something out of it that it isn't. You know, I've met some of these truther guys that are so lost down the rabbit hole that they can't really have a normal thought or a normal conversation, and I'm not one of those people. I, I have awareness of how I sound when I start talking about conspiracies and the deeper truths, whether it's you know, flat earth or no dinosaurs or no viruses or whatever, any of that stuff. So I I acknowledge that with this weird snow thing that I might be grasping at straws. But take the snow out of the equation and you still have plenty of questions in regard to how insane and downright unnatural the weather was last week. And, you know, and and I've had knowledge of cloud seeding, which is something that we're going to talk about and weaponized weather stuff. But, you know, I'm now compelled to dig a little bit deeper 
So on part one of this episode, this is going to be a two-part episode, we're going to be talking about some of the um, techniques, the programs uh, that the government used to actually weaponize the weather historically and possibly are using now to further their agendas of population control, food supply control, right? Uh, any other form of control. Because that's really what all of this stuff comes down to, is utilizing the weather to control people. For the longest time in the, com- the conspiracy community, um, people have talked about chemtrails. You know, you'll hear people say, they're spraying the skies. It's, it's something that you hear quite a bit when you're in these circles. Um, I'd say it's even basically conspiracy 101 right along with you know 9-11 and JFK and I don't want to say it's introductory conspiracy stuff but you'd be hard-pressed to find someone in the truth community who doesn't have some kind of knowledge of chemtrails and this whole subject and you know what those trails in the sky are supposed to be so when we talk about quote-unquote chemtrails we call them chemtrails in the truth community but the mainstream calls them contrails and you know there's air quotes around that and claims that they are a perfectly normal aspect of airplane flight but this is what we're talking about it's those those lines and those trails that you see in the sky all the time and maybe you've never paid attention to it but just look outside on any given day and there's a good chance that you're going to see some So when we talk about chemtrails, we're talking about actual chemicals, actual heavy metals being dropped into the atmosphere and onto the public in the form of different aerosols and such things. Um, Some of you guys might remember way back to episode two when I talked to Chris from Threat to Society a little bit about his experience. Uh, You know, he lived in New or lives in New Jersey. And he talked about how there would be days that he could literally feel chemicals in his hair and smell them on his hair after being outside for a while. And of course, the implications here are that these chemicals are harming us in one way or another, um, whether it's causing sterility or certain health problems like cancers and tumors, whether it is doing something to the soil or the crops. There are a lot of different theories about what is going on with chemtrails, but ultimately we now know for a fact that the weather can be modified because the government has come out and told us that they can do it and have done it. So we're going to look at some of those instances. Um, it's also interesting to note that the Hopi elders of the Southwest, they're a Native American group, been around for centuries, thousands of years, they had a prophecy foretelling the end of what they called the fourth age of man, which according to them, it would be a time of great purification. And this period would begin with quote-unquote tracks and spider webs in the sky. And if you look up at um, the sky any given day and you see these chemtrails, they do look like spider webs, right, in the sky, or, or like tracks, There's also, in the truth community, there's a lot of speculation about, 
you know, because we know that possibly they are using these um, aerosols to spray us or spray our crops or make us sick or harm our food supply in some way. Um, So that's, you know, that's a theory. But we know, we do know for sure that they can modify the weather. And again, we're going to talk about that. But there's also a lot of speculation that um, these chemtrails are used to block out not just the sun, but block out certain cosmological events that might be happening in the sky. There's, you know, there's a lot of theories about that, a lot of speculation, and I think that's interesting. I think there might be something there. We're not going to talk too much about it on this episode, but in the future, I'm sure we will cover it. So the first topic that I wanted to look at with you guys is actual disclosure of certain weather modification techniques used by the government so that we're starting out with you know this isn't just conspiracy theory right actual conspiracy fact is what this is because we have documentation straight from the horse's mouth and keep in mind i'm not calling it a fact based on the merit that it was admitted by the government alone because you know we know that the government does lie we don't believe everything the government says right but i'm calling it a fact based on the merit that it is accepted by the mainstream when it comes from an authoritative source so if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist then you'd have to be one too because for the average person the government is the ultimate authority for information right now people are so jaded that you could show them these declassified government documents but because of their cognitive dissonance they're going to say something like oh well if the government has that kind of capability then it's probably they're using it for our own good so yeah most people are just too thick in the skull to even wrap their minds around this stuff Um, And by the way, sometimes mainstream science will give a soft endorsement of this stuff, but they they call it quote-unquote geoengineering or climate engineering, which I guess is supposed to make it sound more scientific and less sinister. I don't know, but um, usually when they talk about this stuff, they're talking about it in the context of you know, protecting the earth from quote-unquote global warming, which, of course, we know is absurd, but that's the context that they talk about it in. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to look first at this article that was published in the New York Times in 1972. Luckily for us, it has been digitized, and it's on the actual New York Times website. So um, the reason I'm saying that is so you know that this is legit. Again, it's a trusted mainstream source. Um, And what this article is talking about is what was once a highly classified military program called Operation Popeye. So before we actually look at the article, we're going to first look at what Operation Popeye was. So essentially it was the U.S. government's attempt to use what's called cloud seeding for warfare, mainly during the Vietnam conflict. That's whenever they really first used it in a wartime. But, of course, 
you know, I and my, myself and many others would argue that this technology is still being used today, but um, not just in different parts of the world for different conflict efforts, but also on us American citizens. Um, and if you haven't ever heard of cloud seeding, that's okay. And when I say cloud seeding, that's S-E-E-D-I-N-G, like a seed, to seed the clouds. But if you haven't really ever heard of it, I'm no expert on it either, so I'm just going to give you guys the Wikipedia definition of it. And again, keep in mind that, you know, Wikipedia has its flaws, but it is somewhat of a trusted mainstream source. So we're going to look at this real quick. It says, um, Operation Popeye. Uh, and in parentheses, it says Project Controlled Weather Popeye. It says Motor Pool Intermediate Compatriot. Um, it was a military cloud seeding carried out by the U.S. Air Force during the Vietnam War in 1967 to 1972. The highly classified program attempted to extend the monsoon season over specific areas of the Ho Chi Minh Trail in order to disrupt the North Vietnamese military supplies by softening road surfaces and causing landslides. Pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff there. Um, so, so basically what they do is they take airplanes and they use them to drop different chemicals into the atmosphere. We're talking chemicals like silver iodide, which is mercury. And we all know that mercury is toxic to humans. Potassium iodide... Um, solid carbon dioxide, which is dry ice, and even barium, which is toxic to humans, and liquid propane has been used. So they essentially, they seed the clouds to produce certain weather effects. In the Vietnam conflict, this technique was used mainly to create rain and floods, as we said, but when the clouds are somewhere between, like, negative four and then 19 degrees they can actually use cloud seeding to create snowfall and that's wild right especially when again in the context of the craziness in texas last week it's interesting to think about so again as i said in the previous episode you know that bonus episode it's interesting to think about how um Maybe what happened in Texas was an extension of this technology, not to mention how much do you think this science has been expanded on since the Vietnamese conflict in the 60s and the 70s? And a quick little side note, the concept of weather modification um, has actually been in existence as far back as the 1830s. I can't remember the name of the guy, but there's a this scientific paper on the subject because this scientist figured out how to stimulate rainfall with the use of controlled forest fires. And it's out there somewhere. Uh, you got enough information now to, to probably look it up and find it yourself. So with that information, let's go ahead and read this New York Times article, which, again, is from all the way back in 1972. And it has been archived online, so that's why we have access to it. But... I'm just going to be reading it straight from the text, so you know, bear with me. I know that that isn't the most entertaining thing, but there's a lot of good info in here, so let's get into it. 
Rainmaking is used as a weapon by U.S. by Seymour M. Hirsch, special to the New York Times. Washington, July 2nd. The United States has been secretly seeding clouds over North Vietnam, Laos, and South Vietnam to increase and control the rainfall for military purposes. Government sources, both civilian and military, said during an extensive series of interviews that the Air Force cloud seeding program has been aimed most recently at hindering movement of North Vietnamese troops and equipment and suppressing enemy anti-aircraft missile fire. The disclosure confirmed growing speculation in congressional and scientific circles about the use of weather modification in Southeast Asia. Despite years of experiments with rainmaking in the United States and elsewhere, scientists are not sure they understand its long-term effect on the ecology of a region. Imagine that. Some opposed the program. The weather manipulation in Indochina, which was first tried in South Vietnam in 1963, is the first confirmed use of meteorological warfare. Although it is not prohibited by any international conventions on warfare, artificial rainmaking has been strenuously opposed by some State Department officials. It could not be determined whether the operations were being conducted in connection with current Vietnamese offensive or the renewed American bombing of the North. Beginning in 1967, some State Department officials protested that the United States, by deliberately altering the natural rainfall in parts of Indochina, was taking environmental risks of unknown proportions. By the way, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Is it Indochina or Indochina? I don't know. I'm just going to say Indochina. But many advocates of the operation have found little wrong with using weather modification as a military weapon. What's worse, one official asked, dropping bombs or rain? All of the officials interviewed said that the United States did not have the capability to cause heavy floods during the summer in the northern parts of North Vietnam, where serious floods occurred last year. Yeah, they had nothing to do with it, right? Officially, the White House and State Department declined comment on the use of meteorological warfare. Quote, This is one of those things where no one is going to say anything, unquote. One official said, most officials interviewed agreed that the seeding had accomplished one of its main objectives, muddying roads and flooding lines of communication. But there were also many military and government officials who expressed doubt that the project had caused any dramatic results. The sources, without providing details, also said that a method had been, quote, developed for treating clouds with a chemical that eventually produced an acidic rainfall capable of fouling the operation of North Vietnamese radar equipment used for directing surface-to-air missiles. In addition to hampering SAM missiles and delaying North Vietnamese infiltration, the rainmaking program had the following purposes. 
providing rain and cloud cover for infiltration of South Vietnamese commando and intelligence teams into North Vietnam, serving as a spoiler for North Vietnamese attacks and raids in South Vietnam, altering or tailoring the rain patterns over North Vietnam, I'm sorry, Vietnam and Laos to aid United States bombing missions, diverting North Vietnamese men and material from military operations to keep muddied roads and lines of communication in operation. The cloud seeding operations necessarily were keyed to the two main monsoon seasons that affect Laos and Vietnam. It was just trying to add on to something that you already got, one officer said. Military sources said that one main goal was to increase the duration of the southwest monsoon, which spawns high-rising cumulus clouds, those most susceptible to cloud seeding, over the panhandle areas of Laos and North Vietnam from May to early October. The longer rainy season thus would give the Air Force more opportunity to trigger rainstorms. Quote, we're trying to arrange the weather pattern to suit our convenience, said one government official who had detailed knowledge of the operation. According to interviews, the Central Intelligence Agency initiated the use of cloud seeding over Hue in the northern part of South Vietnam. We first used that stuff in about August of 1963, one former CIA agent said when the Diem regime was having all of that trouble with the Buddhists. They would just stand around during demonstrations when the police threw tear gas at them, but we noticed that when the rains came, they wouldn't stay on, the former agent said. The agent got an Air America Beechcraft and had it rigged up with silver iodide, he said. There was another demonstration, and we seeded the area, and then it rained. A similar cloud seeding was carried out by CIA aircraft in Saigon at least once during the summer of 1964, the former agent said. The intelligence agency expanded its cloud seeding activities to the Ho Chi Minh Supply tra Trail in Laos sometime in the middle 1960s, a number of government sources said. By 1967, the Air Force had become involved, although, as one former government official said, the agency was calling all the shots. I always assumed the agency had a mandate from the White House to do it, he added. A number of former CIA and high-ranking Johnson administration officials depicted the operations along the trails as experimental. The art had not yet advanced to the point where it was possible to predict the results of a seeding operation with any de degree of confidence, one government official said. We used to go out flying around and looking for a certain cloud formation, the official said. And we made a lot of mistakes. Once, we dumped seven inches of rain into two hours on one of our special forces camps. Despite the professed skepticism on the part of some members of the Jalusian administration military, apparently took the uh, weather modification program much more seriously. 
According to a document contained in the Pentagon Papers, Defense Department's secret history of, of the war, weather modification was one or seven, I'm sorry, one of seven basic options for stepping up the war that were presented on request by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to the White House in late February 1967. The document described the weather program over Laos, officially known as Operation Popeye, as an attempt to, quote, reduce trafficability along infiltration routes, unquote. It said that presidential authorization was required to implement operational phase of weather modification process previously successfully tested and evaluated in the same area. The brief summary concluded by stating that, quote, risk of compromise is minimal. A similar option was cited in another 1967 working document published in the Pentagon Papers. Neither attracted any immediate public attention. The Laos cloud seeding operations did provoke, however, a lengthy and bitter, albeit secret, dispute inside the Johnson administration in 1967. And um, it goes on to uh, talk a little bit more about um, some of the, you know, diplomatic and political stuff that happened as a result of that but yeah you know that that is um proof right there that is a mainstream source talking about operation popeye talking about this stuff right in the open it's there plain as day mainstream exposure of this stuff it's pretty incredible right so Again, you know, if somebody thinks that you're crazy for believing in weather modification, you can direct them to this article because it's not a conspiracy. And there are way more documents talking about this stuff out there. In fact, the state of Utah came out with a publication in 1996 called Weather Modification, Some Facts About Seeding Clouds. And NASA... You know, our favorite people, we all, you you guys know how much I love NASA, has a weather modification, and that's sarcasm, but they have a weather modification program as well. If you look it up, it says that, quote, this project to date has emphasized analytical and experimental work on studies of the micro and macroscopic properties of warm fogs, techniques for observing fog parameters, the simulation of fog conditions, the experimental modification of fog, and the formulation of mathematical fog models. And by the way, there's a Stephen King book. I'm not sure if it's the same, if the book is of the same title, but there's a movie that's based on it called The Mist, and there's a lot of, you know, it's called The Mist, and, and they refer to it in the in the movie as The Mist, but it's really more of a fog that just, you know comes out of nowhere and engulfs this town and there's a lot of military stuff involved and so you got to wonder if maybe that kind of maybe this kind of inspired um stephen king in writing that but again you know this comes right from the horse's mouth guys they come out and they tell us this stuff it's in plain sight and it's pretty easy to find online it's all out in the open you know you know how they like to put this stuff right in front of our faces. And then, 
of course, you know, you always have people like Bill Nye, the liar guy, who go on TV and they then they mock this stuff and call it a conspiracy theory. But I wonder what he would say if I showed him these documents, right? What would he say then? And that's why I wanted to present this to you guys, because like I said, what happened in my state of Texas last week was just bonkers. It was just not natural. And I think that when, and, and a lot of people have talked about the grand solar minimum. There's um, been a lot of talk, you know, even in the truth circles that this is something that is just cyclical. And so maybe this was an absolutely natural phenomenon. Apparently it happens once every hundred years, you know, maybe so. Maybe that's the case. But I think whenever you look at what happened in the grand context of everything that has happened, you know, over the past year in 2020 and up into 2021, I think there could be something more to it. You know, especially knowing now everything we know about weather modification, I think that it's worth looking into. So that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to present something to you guys, maybe something that you aren't aware of, something you never heard about before, and um, get your gears turning. Maybe you guys come up with uh, some other cool stuff. So anyways, that wraps up part one of this episode, episode 24. And part two, we're going to be doing um, some digging. We're going to be digging a little bit deeper into this stuff. In particular, we're going to be looking at some different patents on this technology, as well as the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, otherwise known as HARP. But that one's going to be for patrons only. It will be a Patreon-exclusive episode. So if you like this episode and you want to hear more, Consider becoming a patron. Alright, before we wrap up the episode, though, we got to do a few more patron shout-outs as promised. So, patrons, here it goes. Huge shout-out to Stacy Strait for becoming a patron. Stacy, your contribution is, of course, very much appreciated. Biggest of shout-outs to Michael Reedy. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you for supporting the show. And last but not least, I want to give a huge, massive, gigantic, sweaty shout-out to my boy, the one and only Ernesto, the sleep talker Calderon. Ernie is one of my bandmates, so I had to do that. Anyways... Thanks again, everyone, patrons especially, um, listeners, you guys are awesome. And patrons, I hope you enjoy part two of this episode. Everyone else, I will see you next time. All right, listeners, if you made it this far, thank you so much for sticking with me. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow me on Instagram at 1980NowPodcast. That's 1980 underscore podcast. And if you really, really like the podcast, you can support me by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And hey, maybe I'll read it on the show. As usual, another really cool episode will be dropping two weeks from now. So be sure to stay tuned. All right, guys, y'all already know. I'll see you next time. Stay free. Stay free.